Well, 747 <laughs> has been retired. Well, I it's not retired. I mean, the last last one has been built and delivered now by Boeing, so there won't be any more new ones. Uh, they still are flying. Uh, and joining us with more on this is uh, Jeffrey Lustick. He's an attorney, but he's also an accomplished pilot, and um, we, we consider him our aviation expert. Great to talk with you, Jeff. Hey, Joe. <laughs> and uh, while this is an iconic airplane, I was lamenting on the air the other day. I've never had a chance. I always wanted to fly on a 747. Never did, just by luck of the draw, I guess. Uh, but I never flew internationally or for really long flights, so I guess that makes sense. These are used for, they have been used traditionally for pretty pretty long hauls, haven't they? Yeah, so the 747 was designed to really make the world smaller, and it accomplished that goal. You know, the first 747s came into service with Pan Am Airways, and Pan Am was a, a United States-based carrier, but it made its name for flying into the Orient, is what they called it back then, the, the Pacific Rim, and it made its name also to fly into Europe. And the 747 was the first of its kind because of its size, because of how many engines it had, and because it could carry, at that point, around 300 people. And that was just a mind-boggling thing for airlines, who at the time were battling uh, shortages in energy and rising costs of fuel in the 70s. You know, the 747 was a very good, high-purpose airplane, and it really did make the world smaller. Yeah, the nickname of the Queen of the Skies, and uh, of course it went on to become a, a cargo lifter and, and even uh, mm-hmm. Air Force One, the, the primary planes that fly the president. Yes, and when the Air Force has 747s, they actually have two versions of those, the VC-25A, which is the Air Force One, and also the E-4B, which is the National Airborne Command Post. And when I was in the Air Force, I was stationed at Offutt Air Force Base, which is the wing of the Air Force and the strategic uh, United States Strategic Command that operates the E-4B. And every time you see a 747 go over, if you're an airplane buff, and I know you are too, Joe, I know you are, <laughs> um, you, you just get a certain feeling in, in, your, in, your, in your heart. It's just, it's such a heartwarming feeling, and it, it's an exciting thing because it's a, a huge four-engine aircraft with double-deckers and long, long wings. And so for us in the airplane buffery, so to speak, it is a, a bittersweet time to see the 747 go out of production. I will point out, though, that this won't be the last 747 delivered because there are two VC-25 presidential aircraft, which are based on the 747-8I platform, that are due to be delivered. Sometime one will come out this year and one will come out early next year. So there will be some 747s still trickling out, but this serial number, which is the 1,574th, I believe, is the last one to actually come off the assembly line, the last one to be produced by the workers at Boeing. So it is truly the end of an era. Huh. So does it, I guess, for uh, these new uh, presidential aircraft, does it make sense to use this same plane or... Should they maybe have you know gone with something like a triple seven or uh, or even a seven eighty seven? Well, the the specifications and the bids that the Air Force puts out requires a lot of cargo lift, and it requires, um, in certain cases, instrumentality, avionics, satellite communications, things that support the presidential mission. So there really isn't another airplane in the world that could do this that's made in the United States. 
And as you're probably aware, there are other wide-body four-engine aircraft, such as the Airbus 380, which is a pure double-decker airplane. The 747 is a partial double-deck airplane and has a, a double, it has a second deck behind the flight deck on the top, but it stops around a third of the way down the fuselage, and the airframe is still considered a double-decker. But the Airbus 380, which is made in Toulouse, France, by the European conglomerate Airbus and Boeing's prime competitor, is also a four-engine aircraft, but it came out much later than the 747. But you're not going to see the president of the United States flying around in an Airbus anytime soon. I can bet you can bet on that. Yeah. Now, is that is that plane the Airbus uh, jumbo jet? Is is that hasn't that kind of uh, I guess received uh, lukewarm reception? Not really. Um, really. You know, you you probably think that because we live in a region that's so um, tied to Boeing, and and there's so many Boeing workers, and there's some within the sound of our voices today who have worked at Boeing for many years, and there's the old saying, if it's not Boeing, I'm not going. But (laughs) um, Asian airlines and European airlines have picked up the Airbus uh, A380, and they're continuing to fly it. We did see both the 747, the Airbus 380, and to a certain extent the Airbus uh, 350 as well um, get sidelined during COVID. And the the aircraft actually went out to the Mojave Desert in California and in Arizona and Nevada, and those aircraft got parked during COVID. But they are making their way back, especially for the longer trips that are in the Pacific Rim and throughout Asia. And the European and the the Asian airlines still fly the Airbus. The largest operator right now of the 747 is Lufthansa, which is the national airline of Germany. And they have, I think it's approximately 25 of them. Um, And then in the United States, where you see the largest use of the 747 is, of course, the U.S. Air Force with their fleet of the uh, VC-25s and E-4Bs, but also UPS and Atlas Air. And Atlas Air is the um, is a cargo company based in Cleveland that does a lot of specialized calling for military purposes and for industrial purposes, and they take things all the way across the world in these 747s. Yeah, and it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, I was reading that uh, typical 747, they could haul like over, uh, I think, over 100 tons of cargo. It's amazing because anything like that could get off the ground. Well, the the thing about the Boeing aircraft, and and if you know your Boeing history, is that uh, almost every single Boeing aircraft that remains in production has had upgrades throughout the year. Um, the 737 uh, Max 8s and the 737 Max 9s, which are not wide body, they're they're smaller aircraft and they're more efficient, and they actually carry a lot more passengers when they first came out. Because over the years, they've taken the design of the 747 and they've stretched it in both directions. They've made it longer and they've made it wider. They've put different engines on it, and we have had several different variants of 747s, different variants of 737s over the years. And so the 737 and the 747 are really the ultimate Boeing machine. Those are the ones that people think of when they talk about Boeing. And there is a lot of nostalgia, of course, for the 747, because when it was designed and produced in 1969, they really didn't have anything like it on the market. So Boeing bet the entire company. They essentially bet the entire company that the world would buy it, and they did. And that's why we have the Queen of the Skies today. And maybe some of you have seen in your social media feeds or on TV that 
um, they actually flew a special pattern in the sky, uh, a crown, a crown in the sky over eastern Washington. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really nice thing to see. It's, it's in celebration. And they had a water cannon salute when they took off from Payne Field. And, of course, Payne Field, the Boeing plant at Payne Field, is the place where all the 747s have been manufactured since 1969. And they have the world's largest building by volume. And that's the Boeing 747 plant. And Joe, I know you remember that you and I once went on a tour in that we facility. We did, yeah. You flew us in your mm-hmm. airplane down there, my son and yeah. I, and uh, we did the tour. And it was incredible just to be in that building and see these huge aircraft and and, and just in, in a row being uh, in different uh, stages of assembly. It's, it's, it's really incredible. I would you know recommend anybody to go and see that. Yes, and, and the thing of it was, I bet I bet you don't realize this, but as I was getting ready for this interview, I realized it. We were down there in the first month of the production of the 747-8. Huh. We saw some of the first 747-8s get produced. So um, to, to mark this anniversary or the, 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 the ending, I should say, of the production of the 747s with you is particularly uh, reminiscent and poignant of that time when we went on the tour down at the Future of Flight um, Exposition at Payne Field which is still open and still allows people to go into the Boeing plant and see what they're producing now. Yeah, yeah. And, and interesting, too, now that we just learned that they're going to move uh, some of the 737 MAX production up there to uh, help churn out the, these aircraft and uh, and reduce this backlog that they've got. So that's good news for the workers, too, that they're in Everett. It is. And, you know, the Boeing, the Boeing product line remains strong. And right now, their signature airplane is moving away from the wide-body aircraft and into the 737s. But if you compare the 737s of today versus the ones that came out in the 70s, they're so much longer. They're stretched, and they carry so many more passengers. And they're even coming out with the 737 MAX 10. They have the MAX 7 and the MAX 8 and the MAX 9 and the MAX 10, and they keep stretching the airframe. They keep adding capabilities. And you know, it hasn't been a smooth road. Obviously, there's there were some um, some very bad accidents with the 737-8 Max, and it got sidelined for several years while the FAA worked out with the Boeing a lot of the managerial problems and the engineering problems. But now the Maxes are so fuel efficient that the airlines really want them in their fleet, and so Boeing continues to be a major player on the world stage, and one of the largest. Um, we're talking about per capita. Uh, dollars in the trade um, in the trade that we do internationally with other countries is made up of air Boeing airplanes, and so you know the days of, of will the last one out turn off the light that <laughs> that iconic billboard that people saw in the seventies when Boeing was crashing those days are far from gone because airlines still want Boeing products and the products they want are the seven thirty seven Maxes. In your mind, should uh, should passengers should people be uh... Should they be confident in that airplane, the, speaking specifically about the 737 MAX? Absolutely. Um, you know, the 737 MAX has gone under a huge microscope. Um, it's had uh, literally uh, millions of hours of man hours in, in terms of being produced and redesigned and certified. And it is a brilliant airplane. Uh, it is very efficient. It has competition. You know, the, the, the MAX 9 and 10 uh, compete every day against the Airbus 320s and the Airbus 321s, and there's constant improvement. But when you look at the development of airplanes, it is truly a modern marvel because competition has made it safer, 
competition has made it more efficient. And, um, you know, you can still catch a flight from Seattle to, or from Bellingham for that matter, to Las Vegas, and, it, and you can catch those flights for $49. You know, and the reason that you can do that is because the air travel system in this country is as safe as it's ever been. It's certainly the most safest uh, uh, travel uh, platform that we've ever had in the world. It's safer than being on trains. It's safer than driving in cars. It's safer than being on buses. When you consider all the operations that happen around the United States and around the world versus the mishaps and the death rate, it is an extremely safe and efficient system. It's not going to go away. It's just going to get better. And I think as we move into the future, we're going to see alternative fuels that pollute less and produce more energy. We're also going to see electronic airplanes, airplanes that run on solar. They've tried that, and it's too early for that. But there is a company in Arlington, Washington right now called Eviation, and they're working very hard on getting a twin-engine small airplane to run on nothing more than electricity. So that's the future. Alternative fuels and electricity, that's what you're going to see in the future. Well, aviation expert Jeffrey Lustick, we appreciate your expertise on this, and uh, and and I personally, you know, appreciate you giving uh, my both my kids and myself opportunities to fly and have that experience in your aircraft and uh, flying around this region. We just had this, you know, it's just a real treat to be able to fly uh, in this air, in this region as you've taken us up. But um, really appreciate you joining us today, and uh, and keep you know keep flying. <laughs> and and yeah, I'll ride with you anytime. <laughs> we love we love aviation, and I love spreading aviation to young people and opening their minds. And you know we're so short of pilots in this country, and that's if you've been delayed recently on an airliner, it's probably because of the pilot shortage and staffing shortages. But you know I I love uh, showing young people and old people too um, how flight works, and I think once you go flying, you really get a pre- an appreciation for. It is, it is not a complex thing. It is actually pretty easy to learn how to fly yeah. and to get your pilot's license. You can get a pilot's license in 90 days if you really apply yourself. And if you, if you, if you really work at it, you can get a pilot's license and you can become a pilot as well. All right. Well, maybe I'll give it a shot. That sounds like something. You should, Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Once again, Jeffrey Lustick grew with us. Uh, really appreciate it, Jeff. You take care. You bet. My pleasure, Joe. That's all.